practical Kenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland. This is The Art Show on KCLR with Hugo Jealous. Welcome to a frosty Wednesday evening at a time of the year when getting coal in the stocking doesn't seem so bad after all. We're joined this evening in studio by one of my favourite people in the world and royalty in the uh, in the KCLR studios. It's Nisha Nunn. Uh, but before that, uh, we're going to hear from David Keenan, who I met earlier, musician David, who's who's um, come to live in Kilkenny after travelling to uh, make a life in, in all sorts of places all over the world. Uh, not just a musician, but a poet and, and, a, and a wordsmith and a and a softly spoken man of wisdom. He he seems like he always should be a beardy individual, but there he is, young and fresh-faced. And uh, then we'll hear from our artist and profile this week, Billy Fenton, um, uh, from from Carrick, um, and he is a he is a poet and soon to be novelist. And we might have time at the end of the show for some Bob Geldof pulpit wisdom. We'll see how we go. First, though, to David Keenan, and and as I say, uh, uh, David's um, primary work is as a musician. He released an album, um, Crude, not long ago, and it marked a time in his life, as you'll hear, when he moved away from being a member of a, of, of a band and of a and of a big touring operation, and away from his um, management and his from his record label to start a new life. Okay, David Keenan, you're very welcome into studio. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me in, Hugo. Uh, why don't we jump straight in and talk about uh, about the latest album and about the difference between it and its predecessors, the difference in uh, the structures that w- there were around making it, um, uh, you know, being with a label versus being naked in a field on your own. Naked in a field on my own is, is the, the best place for me, you know, I've discovered. Um, yeah, crude is, it's, it's raw and it's, uh, it's unfiltered. It's, um, it's a reconciliation with my music and how I approach making it. And I say that because of the records that I've made before, which are, you know, more produced. There's a lot of musicians in there. Um, but the third album, it just struck me that like the most kind of revolutionary thing that I could do at this point, because I'd made those kind of records, you know, the, the the narrative songs and the 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 conceptual albums, the landscape, ambient music, all that kind of stuff. And I, I just wanted to go back to the 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 essence of of the outlet for me when I was a teenage kid with a shaved head and I was angry and I was hungry, and b- before I was conscious of of any audience or any label or anything like that, and I was free and I was uninhibited, and I felt like a part of me was dying if I didn't do that. Um, I felt a kind of loneliness in and amongst a big group of people or a sense of feeling detached with the music that I was making so I felt inauthentic and I felt like a bit of a phony and of course this is all magnified in my own head Yes, but but, but I, had to, I had to make a record that would get me out of that headspace and that's the outlet that's the, the what music has given me songwriting, writing and so Crude came about in two days in Dublin in the studio. Uh, the tape was just let roll, really. Um, me and the guitar, me banging drums. Uh, it's very, you know, primitive. And and, um, and in and amongst all that, the record company that I was with were hesitant about releasing a you know, third album in, tr- in three years. 
Financially, I can understand all that. Were they hesitant because it felt like a regression for them, going from a sort of a more complicated narrative with a lot of other musicians that might then go on stage with you as well as being in the studio, or a regression in some other way? Well, they weren't. They weren't I didn't make them aware of, of Crude or any of the songs on at the time. We weren't really talking in, in those kind of... We weren't, we weren't having those conversations. It, it, was, it was more of, you know, you released the last record during COVID, you didn't get to tour it. You want you know you're gonna want some more money off us to to make another one, but it got to the point where I was asking these kind of difficult questions of myself. You know what's really driving me? What's giving me purpose here with, with music? Why am I doing it? Uh, am I doing it really to facilitate a group? You know, or, or do I need to go a bit deeper and, and get a bit braver and just go back to the basics of of uh, guitar and lyric and story? And uh, and also then I had my own frustrations of dealing with a group of people who I didn't feel were, were fighting for the cause as much as I, I wanted them to, with the label, you know. So I, I think the word is the ick. <laughs> I think everyone got the ick for each other. Right. And it was a matter of just moving on with a bit of grow and, uh, and that's what happened. And obviously more responsibility for me putting out a record myself, but a great victory because you learn so much and every every um, every name on, on, on the envelope that's going out means that much more. Yes. Know? And so then does the same go for the touring or the live performance that comes with it? Do you find you've you've got a, a huge body of work that you've got to do that you didn't have to have you didn't have to be involved in before or is it has it been really welcome licking the envelopes yourself as you Yeah, no, that? it's been really welcome. I think um, I think people of the the general vibe that I get back is people are kind of they're, they're welcoming of uh, having direct contact with me you know and the kind of gigs that I was doing towards the end of the band where don't get me wrong I'd love to do them again the, the Olympia and the Tree Arena but like there's there's that separation and um, and uh, you know it was a matter of uh, just getting more direct and hands on with people again and letting people know thanks for supporting me and and um, this is the record that I needed to make. I think people who are into my music, you know, in the first place, are are are, are fascinated and curious. And you know, people come and go, but the core people that kind of enjoy what I do are, 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 are I feel like they're with me, and they're not. It's not a passing thing because it, it would have been gone long ago if, if it with was. Uh, okay, well, on that note, let's play core people. Grown-up child in me exists When bearded man and boy permit I wish I was, I wish I was, I wish I was away Atop a hill I climbed to play I looked around and got afraid My stomach dropped, yet still I stayed a wish I was, I wish I was away. I felt the tracks, and from the trees a magpie had a word with me. He told me that I once was he, I wish I was away. The magpie gestured with a nod. It became clear that it was God Had I met God atop a hill I wish I was away God said, keep it simple, friend You're limitless 
There is no end, I love you unconditionally, I wish I am away. So I climb down with mucky knees, no lightning rod or effigies, only a magpie on a breeze, I wish I was away. I kept on walking, long story short, intent on mapping my own course. That message came straight from the source. A wish. I am a wish. I am a wish. I am away. You're listening to The Art Show on KCLOR with Hugo Jealous. Brought to you with thanks to Kilkenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland. Okay, so that was Miracles by David Keenan, and David's here with me, and um, as is always the case with um, lovely guests in the studio, there's not enough time, so I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to finish, if I can, Dave, by asking you about this, uh, again, coming back to this period in your life where you've, where you've, you've scaled down from your previous work, you've scaled down from a time where you'd built a narrative between a, a solo musician uh, and then a member of a folk band and then a member of, I suppose, what you might call a rock band and having to leave behind what I imagine was an amazing odyssey um, to come back to you and whether you feel lonely or whether you feel quite the opposite. Uh, I think now that I've, I've come off the road, I was on a tour for six weeks and I was doing the me with the guitar and to audiences. So it helped me bring in these new songs and... and test them live just me and my own um, there is a kind of a there is a loneliness but it's fear based it's a fear based loneliness that I'm not going to be accepted for me and to be honest Hugo I was aware of that before making this record but I made it with the this unselfconscious kind of thing of it has to be you know brutal, brutally honest and because it's all about it's a selfish thing it's about me being able to live with me a bit better and my main outlet for doing that is, is in song so by going to these places where I am more exposed I am tested more all my insecurities are brought brought to, to the forefront I get a chance to really look at them and deal with them you know it's my only way of actually really really kind of kind of alchemy of taking my my crap and, and trying to get a different perspective on it and that's where I'm at right now at this time in my life with this record and, and, and this um, this mode of delivering the songs and uh, it feels like that kind of, as you said, the, the travelling bard again, going from place to place and you know, it's it's a challenge but it's the, the, the reward has already been reaped in a certain deep sense so uh, yeah, I'm excited. You, you released a book of, of poetry yeah a few years ago how was that process did you did you like writing did you like being away from music for a bit is the more coming in that direction yeah that there is there is more coming um i think poetry is a lawless place and i really thrive there you know uh, and and the words create their own music and their own rhythm and they just take you on a dance but i did it at a time i was in the irish art center in paris and uh I was I was kind of given a bed. I was going, okay, we have to produce something. So it was impetus to be removed from the kind of the, all the band and all the music, and, and just to sit at the desk and kind of you know trudge away, you know. And uh, it's a real relief for me. Um, it's something I have to do every day. 
and uh, it's amazing what's revealed it's a jigsaw puzzle that can be put together backwards and then something is revealed that you know you're a deeper self is trying to say but but hasn't got the guts to say you know so I hope in the new year to um, I'm not gigging again until April so I hope in the new year to to work on this new collection of something yeah okay well long may the anger that you mentioned at the very beginning of this talk (laughs) be with you because you're producing incredible work David and it's a real privilege to talk to you thank you brother that was David Keenan. Next up, our, our, our profile, our artist profile this week is with Billy Fenton. He's a Carrick-based poet, and he's approaching retirement, so naturally he's starting a huge new project. OK, my name is uh, Billy Fenton. Uh, I'm a writer specifically of poetry and short stories. But I hope to move to longer fiction as well in the future. Um, I'm originally from Carrick, I'm sure, but I've lived in Dublin, Donegal, South Kilkenny, and now Tremor. Mostly in rural areas, but now at the edge of a seaside town. The natural world around me certainly informs my practice and specifically how I interact with that world. I see the natural world and the human worlds as one and the same and not separate. In 2021, I was appointed as Poet Laureate to my hometown of Carrigan-Shore as part of Poetry Ireland's Poetry Town Initiative. And of course, my work being published in literary journals uh, that I much, very much admire are, is a high, also a highlight of uh, my career, writing career to date. The Kenny is, is very rural and it offers the space to operate at a less busy pace than larger towns or cities. And obviously where I am now in Tremor, I have a similar type of environment. I'm currently working on my first poetry collection, compiling the different poems that I've written over the last number of years into a, into a, uh, a collection. And I'm also in the process of actually retiring at the end of the year. And uh, I don't see it as retiring in the normal sense. I want to move on to writing more uh, full time. And a part of that, I hope to embark on a novel in 2022 which is an idea I've been working on for a year or two in my head, I suppose, but I really haven't written anything down as yet. I suppose, you know, time and space is, is essential uh, for me as a, as a writer to free my mind to discover. Uh, hence my, I suppose, my decision to retire early so I can devote my mind space, I suppose, to the kind of writing projects that I have in mind. I suppose the most rewarding part of my work as a a practicing writer or artist is discovery, Uh, basically finding out things I didn't know about myself and developing some confidence in this. So one is often asked, what advice would you give to somebody interested in being an artist? And I suppose it's a bit presumptuous because I haven't been one for very long. But I suppose my my general thought would be that if there's an impulse there to um, do something creative uh, in a kind of a longer uh, term kind of way, then I suppose if you ha- if, if if you have the opportunity to do it um, and the financial uh, you know the financial wherewithal behind you to do it, then I think it's worth giving it a try because it may exist as something in the back of your mind um, for the rest of your days if you don't give it a go. I suppose. And then the other question that's often been asked, I suppose, is what is my biggest influences uh, as as a writer or an artist? And um, 
I suppose I only turned to writing really in the last seven or eight years. And uh, before that, I was involved in the technology world um, as both an engineer and uh, in management. Um, but during my time in technology, I've always been interested in the arts. But I suppose I would have to say that my biggest influences probably don't come from writing, but they come probably more from music. And music of all types, particularly jazz, people like Miles Davis and John Coltrane, and also singer-songwriters, obviously all the famous ones like Bob Dylan, Leonard Cohen, and so on. But obviously, since taking up writing, I have um, developed a bigger interest in, 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 in other um, working uh, writers and have developed a number of different people that I like, um, like uh, Jane Hirschfield, the American poet, um, James Harper from West Cork, and so on. So, and the other question then one is often asked is, what would I wish for uh, the arts in Ireland? Uh, how would I want it to develop? And I suppose it's developing improved artistic communities where artists of different genres can actually interact more easily. It can be even difficult as a writer to interact with other writers because the places aren't there for that to happen uh, so much, um, apart from at book launches and journals and so on. But it would be interesting to explore um, this, the, the, the same kind of questions with other artists, whether to be visual artists or whatever. Um, so having places where artists can kind of converge and, and uh, work together and to even talk to each other more frequently, that would be a useful um, thing, uh, in my opinion. Um, and then lastly, I, I've been uh, I'm asked, what, how can I, people can get in touch with me? And the only way at the moment, because I'm uh, basically um, just beginning to kind of pursue a more longer term career in writing is through Twitter at Billy Fenton 7. That was Billy Fenton and our artist's profile piece this week. Uh, stay with us. We're going to come back after these ads and, and obviously the stampede for ads at this time of year. But stay with us because we're back in studio with our guest Nisha Nunn and I urge you to stay back and listen to his wise words. With thanks to Kilkenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland, this is The Art Show on KCLR with Hugo Jealous. Back in studio now with Nisha Nunn, who's an impresario, a political commentator, a future thinker, and uh, along with his incredible wife Maria, um, involved in in a, in a spate of, of some of the most wonderful events, both here in Kilkenny and uh, and elsewhere in Ireland. So cat laughs and Kilkenomics and the Bram Stoker Festival and all the intelligent bits of electric picnic and curious gardens and so on. Nisha, you're very welcome. Thanks, Hugo. Great to be here. Um, you um, know how to curate and to programme and to manage some of the best events there are around. What do you look for when you're deciding whether to get involved in something? Um, I think that whenever we're either asked to look at, you know, pitching to run a festival or if we're, you know, wanting to set something up from scratch, the first question you ask is why? Why are you doing it? You know, what... what what, uh, you know, what need are you servicing? Who's your audience? Who are you doing this for? And then who are you going to invite in to be, to be part of it? And what's going to be the interaction between the audience and the people you're inviting to be part of it? So the why is the first thing. Um, and then that's followed by all, followed by all the logistical things. But, you know, if you get that right first, the why, um, then you're in good territory. And if you can kind of look at yourself and say, we're doing this for all the best reasons. And by the way, as you well know, one of the best reasons and the, one, 
one of the reasons is not for money. Mm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> festivals can make money and they do make money, but very often it takes, you know, upwards of a decade uh, uh, doing it every year before you actually start to turn a profit. So the why question is, is it? It's got to be something that really, um, you know, that really uh, invigorates you and, and stimulates you intellectually. And, uh, you know, that's the starting point. And so in in the in the new world that we're in now, the one that's that's um, sort of somewhere in the period of time past the plague that hasn't really passed, um, and during that 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 uh, time, we we were all sort of washed up on a lonely shore for a while and wondering who we were and what we yeah. were and why we were. Has everything changed? Are we are we in a new world in festivals now? It is a bit, yeah. I mean, you you and I were we were both in a circumstance when when COVID first hit that obviously everyone was you know afraid and there was that kind of mortal fear. And once you kind of got beyond that that kind of first few weeks, there was a genuine kind of question that we were asking ourselves in the in the business in the industry is like, are events ever going to come back again? You know, are festivals going to be a thing in the future? And kind of early on, we didn't really know that. And then obviously the the, the government, the Irish government. Um, and the Department of Arts made a lot of money available to our sector, which was which was brilliant and really welcome. And we were able to people like us, you know, with with your bars festival and us, um, you know, with Curious Gardens, the festivals that we put together, um, we were able to present something to a small audience, albeit, and but also engage lots of artists and lots of uh, musicians and lots of crew to be able to keep the. Keep, keep the, keep the show on the road in the meantime. And so now we're at a situation where, um, we're back only since April, really, you know, uh, back doing events and so on. We forget it's been a very short year, 2022, for that reason. We only kind of emerged in the spring. Um, and lots of, you know, you'll have had the same experience. Lots of the festivals and events that we've done in 2022, um, have, have, uh, exhibited rustiness, you know, in terms of, you know, us running things and the logistics of running things, being able to get equipment, being able to get the staff. Lots of people have moved on and out of the business. Mm -hmm. The Um, year of the year of the deer in the headlights. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's been it's been a tricky year, but but also really rewarding to get the show back on the road, to meet up with artists and speakers and musicians and all that and and all the crew and all the people that we work with and love working with and getting that, you know, that brilliant energy in the in the hall or in the festival club or in the field or wherever you have happen to be you know it's what it's what we live for you know that's the why that i was talking about you know is that that great buzz that you have when you're when you're standing at the the back of a room or the back of a field and you see what you've put on and go this is great we're we're entertaining people and people are getting paid to do it but nevertheless we are on the that that we're on the pivot of that time where we're taking we're taking these events that were that that had their audiences and they had their styles and 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 so on that existed um, pre-COVID. Um, some of them very large, like Electric Picnic. Others others um, you know, you know uh, uh, more intimate in their style. Um, and asking whether they're still relevant, whether they're still the same, or have things moved on. So take uh, Kilconomics for example, something that yeah, like Kilconomics. I suppose there are two kind of. Fe- I mean, when people when we talk about festivals and people are listening, they're thinking of they're probably thinking of Electric Picnic, big outdoor festivals with lots of bands and then lots of art stuff and spoken word stuff all on the side. The festivals that we are we're involved with mostly are other than Electric Picnic are kind of you know they're talking festivals or listening festivals or a combination of the two. So Kilconomics is which we do here in Kilkenny, which listeners would be familiar with, which has been going for the last 10 years or so, um, we kind of put together a relatively 
cautious program for for this year wondering will people come back you know uh and they did it it was our busiest year since we since we started 12 years ago um and and it you know shot you know shot through all expectations uh and was great and it was a joy and and also the audience is 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 younger than it was than it has been in previous years so there there are shifts that you can see happening um and and they're not as far as I can see, they're not entirely negative. Um, I think there's some, to some extent, some older audiences are a little bit more cautious about being in, being inside in full rooms if they're not properly ventilated and so on. But venues are taking that into account and festivals are taking that into account. I don't think it's a huge feature. I think what's, what's really interesting is to see another festival, which I've worked on for years, the Cat Laughs Comedy Festival, is to see people who used to go to the Cat Laughs for years are now turning up at Kilconomics, right. which is, you know, a festival of economics and current affairs with co- comedians as hosts. Um, so it's an interesting to see to see people kind of move over time. And it's, it's because of their age and, and stage of life, but it's also to do with what the what what themes there are out there what people care about and you know um how people tell their stories to one another and how people figure the world out so one of the one of the common themes that, that keeps coming up is um is the idea of of talking in festivals as opposed to the the, the you know the broader activity of going to listen to music or watch theater um and and i guess there's been this quite strange period of time over the last um, you know five or more years when um what we would have formerly known of as talk radio has now become known as podcasting or uh, spoken word festivals all these other things that are iterations of something that's been around forever so how come we've suddenly decided that we this is what we this is how we want to digest information and this is how we want to be entertained What's changed? I think it's just, well, number one, because the world is in a state of chassis. Um, and, you know, how we navigate that and how we figure that out has changed because, because the nature of media has changed. People, people are very, very less consuming radio and television by appointment, as in listening to the news or, um, uh, you know, watching news and current affairs programs or even watching ordinary programs on, on, on television and, People want an on-demand um, approach to uh, how they consume and analyze their their news and information. So part of that is is online. Part of that's you know Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, and then part of that's podcasts. And then the live iteration of that to me is these talking festivals. You know, um, and it's something that's you know it's 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 not brand new. The Hay Festival in the UK has been going for forty odd years, but we've been doing it in Ireland for you know for 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 quite some time and it's kind of evolved from literary literary events purely literary events um which had which were concerned with publishers pushing forward their authors to speak and and do talks um and now it's much more curated there's the work that you do in Boris there's the stuff that I do in Minefield and Electric Picnic that David McWilliams does at Doggy Book Festival that we do at Kilconomics which is you set the theme first and then you bring in your contributors and what you're doing is you're you're thematically setting up what's in the news, what are people concerned about, um, and then set getting in great speakers, and then bringing in somebody to mediate that for the you know for the audience and and you know give them a sense of what's going on. Um, so I think that's it. I think I think you know the live experience, live the experience of live conversation is something 
like it's also embedded in Irish culture. You know the, that the the notion of you know having a chat and a pint in the pub and you know bohantiach or kailies and traveling around from house to house, storytelling, conversations, joke telling, all of that kind of stuff. It's like it's in our it's in our culture. Then he transferred that to a festival, and you get great international speakers in, and you're you've got something special. So, so do you think we're in a strange and short window of time now that? Um, that precedes the time where everything is going to be online. So the Director General of the BBC is now suggesting that everything is going to be onli- online inside of 10 years. Uh, the Hay Festival that you mentioned, uh, Dylan Jones, the chairman of that, was over in Boris this year and, and, um, and he, was, he, was, um, he was admiring the sort of in-person intimacy of, of being there in County Carlo, but he, he's going, you, you know, you, you really, you don't have a hope of it continuing like this. It is all going to go online. Yeah, I don't believe that. I don't believe that at all. I think, you know, fundamentally, you know, festivals are about, you know, some people go to festivals for escapism. Some people go to, you know, inform themselves and get, and get engaged and stuff. Um, but ultimately it's about communion. It's about being with other human beings physically, uh, experiencing something at the same time physically in a group, um, and reflecting on that afterwards or, or during the event itself. And I think that's, that's a fundamental human thing. It's, you know, festivals have been going on for tens of thousands of years. You know, it's about intoxication and fornication and, you know, mm-hmm. information and, yes. you know, in, about, you know, what, what's the news from the empire and all that kind of thing. You know, uh, I, I don't see that changing fundamentally. Um, uh, I, I can see that festivals, you know, will put, content online i think as a marketing device as a way to reaching uh, as a way to reach audiences and certainly audiences that aren't able to travel i think that's very valuable um, but i don't think it will p- replace live events it can't it shouldn't i'll fight against it okay and so tell us um, about some of the, the some of the smaller events or the more unusual ones that you've seen emerging in 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 ireland i guess um that that listeners might want to look out for in the coming year um I think yeah there's definitely a trend towards towards these talking festivals I mean I think it'd be really interesting I'd say listeners would be delighted to hear you just shared earlier on with me some of the names that you've got for for Boris House Festival which is on next it's on in June June, June yeah. um just a couple of weeks after the cat laughs um and uh I don't know if you want to share share some of the names with your your listeners but it's a pr- pretty amazing lineup well, really on, interesting um, on the spot uh I'll the ones that I can that I can um let me let me see the ones that I can think of that that uh, have have said yes and you must bear in mind that here we are before Christmas and um and you know actors might get jobs and so on but but those who we have coming are uh, actors Richard E Grant um Fiona Shaw uh, poet Simon Armitage, um, uh, fiction writer Bernadine Everisto, Bruce Robinson, who wrote With Nail and I, uh, authors like Deborah Levy, comedians Moran, uh, Dylan Moran, uh, Stanley Tucci, who's wrote one of the one of the most wonderful books I think that's come out this year, um, uh, Sinead Gleeson, William Dalrymple, um, John Lloyd, who's the who's the brains behind QI and Not Night News and Spitting Image. Um, David Putnam, who who's, comes almost annually now because he's so wonderful. Carol Cadwallager, who, yeah. of course, you know from Cambridge Analytica. I, I don't want to turn it into a big list, but there are loads more. Yeah. Some Ruben and, Waxes and one. And the really interesting, the really interesting thing about that is, the, like, the way you put it, put put those people together. It's how you juxtapose them. Mm-hmm. So those are just names on their own, but it's how you cast them in conversations, mm-hmm. and it's how you 
bring in people to mediate those conversations for the audiences. So they're, it's based on a theme that people care about. So it's about the environment or it's about Ukraine or it's mm-hmm. about Russia or it's about, you know, nuclear fusion. You know, you, you find something that is, is, is relevant and newsworthy and that people are really concerned about. And then you, you put, put together really interesting people to talk about it from different, from different perspectives. And that, you know, that's what we do with Kilconomics. That's what I do with Minefield as well. It's just, it's moved away from being the, the, you know, this business of, of the lineup, hasn't it? It's, it's really become about, about spending an awful lot more time trying to, trying to commission an original piece of artwork every time you make a a 55 minute talk. That's really what it is. Yeah. And it's all in the casting. Yeah. You know, much like much like you do for a film, um, and that's what that's what it is. I mean, you know, conversation is artful and it is artistic. You know, and uh, it's it's it, it's it's good that that's being recognised more broadly. You know, by 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 the by the Department of Arts in Ireland and uh, and and further afield, and that you know we're not just kind of lumped in as as literary events, which are just you know authors reading from their work. And yeah. so, uh, and so, tell me. Uh, I mean, there's there's no place that that um, carries more festivals in its calendar than Kilkenny. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's uh, and it's just a brilliant ecosystem here. You know, I mean, I've I've described it often as Kilkenny is like gold, Goldilocks for festivals. You know, it's not too big, not too small, just the right size, because you've got the the infrastructure is there in terms of venues, um, in terms of the great support that you get from hotels, from the venues, from all the people in Kilkenny who you know. They know how to do a festival town, you know, they know how to support it. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's small enough at the same time for it to be intimate so that artists and punters come in and they can mix easily and readily. And, um, you know, that, that adds, I described it's like Boyle's law, you know, in, in, uh, in physics, we have lots of molecules packed into a small space. And the smaller it is, the more electricity there is, the bigger it gets, the more dissipated it is. So if you have a festival in a big city or a big town, you don't notice it as much. Whereas in Kilkenny, it really, you know, becomes the lifeblood of the, of the place. And there are loads now. I mean, there's, there's only, I think, maybe one or two months of the year that there isn't a festival on in Kilkenny. Well, there's only one or two minutes of the hour that there isn't an outbreak. And we have another one that we need to take right now. You're listening to The Art Show on KCLR with Hugo Dellis, brought to you with thanks to Kilkenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland. Welcome back again after the break. And, and before we left you, we were just talking about uh, the the huge calendar that Kilkenny manages to um, put together every year of festivals. And I'm, and I'm wondering, Nisha, you, you, you live here and you live here for a, for a good few years now. So tell me what it would be like being here for a year a year in the life of a lucky boy sometimes i uh, i call kilkenny galway for grown-ups um so it's it's just a better festival city so you start off the year in uh, uh with tradfest which is a brilliant brilliant um program of traditional music and irish folk music um and then you get into another brilliant Music Festival, which has been running for about 25 years here, um, curated by John Clear and other people, but also um, Martin Bridgman and uh, Tom Stapleton in previous years, has featured um, 
lots of you know some of the best kind of Americana and um, rhythm and roots music from yes, from, from the states. Like yes. absolutely amazing program. I think twenty five years next year. Um, so like that'll be really one one to re- really look out for. And it's a lovely crowd that comes for for the rhythm and roots festival. They're they're real loyal punters. It's like the same. You see the same faces who come from uh, all a lot from the UK, but from all over the world, and they turn up, and it's just such a lovely crowd, and they knock around, and people meet one another up every you know once a, once a year at the event, and it's it's uh, it's it's great. That's the May Bank Holiday weekend. That's followed by in the June Bank Holiday weekend is the Cat Laughs Comedy Festival, which I've had an association with and and run at various stages for the last twenty five years. Um, and then into the summer, you've got, um, uh, well, you've got Carlo Arts Festival, which is a really brilliant multidisciplinary arts festival, um, which has kind of gone from strength to strength and is, uh, you know, got a new artistic director and is, uh, being really ambitious in terms of its, its work and visual and, and working out of the fantastic visual, um, gallery in, in Carlo Town. Uh, and then back to Kilkenny again, you've got, um, in the summer, you've got, um, Kilkenny Arts Festival, which is now yes. coming on to 50 years old, uh, and has been running all my lifetime, uh, and is, is again, wonderful kind of classical music and theatre and so on. And then into the autumn, you've got Kilkenny Animated, which we do with, um, Cartoon Saloon and Lighthouse Studios mm-hmm. presenting the best of animated work in in Kilkenny, which is becoming a, a global hub in animation, so it's a celebration of animation there. Uh, and then Kilkenomics uh, in November, which I talked about before. Uh, and then into the winter, you've got uh, you've got Savor, which is Food Festival, and Yule Fest, which is actually on now, so that that's your 12 months of festivals in Kilkenny. My God. I mean, it's fantastic. You don't believe it. I, I suppose that the thing to say about those festivals is that some of them clearly and for for good reason belong here but but others perhaps not so much because they 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 could if you like be anywhere only they've made their homes in Kilkenny and and now attract annual audiences and international performers and speakers and I think that's you know that that's really clearly to do with the fact that that Kilkenny can can play host to something really wonderful we um we've run out of time and um and what I wanted to do before we left, apart from to say thank you very, very much for uh, for coming in, Nisha, um, and uh, to to Martin for helping here on the desk, um, and for David Keenan and Billy Fenton, um, and Geldos Wise Words will have to wait for another year, is to play you out with a small track by David Keenan called Miracles. <laughs> Show on KCLOR with Hugo Jellis. With thanks to Kilkenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland.